0: Well, good morning, friends. It is, uh, it is Tuesday morning. That was the question. It is, is it Tuesday? It is Tuesday. It feels like it should be Wednesday. Um, enough in the day yesterday to make it, make it feel like it could, could be Wednesday today. Uh, and still didn't get through all the stuff I really needed to try to get through last night. And, uh, But we'll go back at it this morning and take another day as it is uh, and uh, accomplish what we can accomplish. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, That's a line from some movie. Hmm. Does anybody know the movie? I don't know the movie, so I couldn't say, yes, you're correct, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. I can hear it, but I can't think of the movie. Doesn't matter. Anyway, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And in fact, that movie illustration could even factor into the conversation this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 8. The heading says food to sacrifice to idols, but really we're going to get into a couple different things. Misplaced worship, that is one thing that we'll look at, but then also how our liberties uh or our freedoms can lead to others failures and we need to you know be conscious of uh, how uh, our um how our freedoms the application of our freedoms could have a negative and derogatory impact upon somebody else so uh, just that will come out as we work our way through the text here so let's jump into it this morning 1 Corinthians chapter 8 says now about the food hold on I don't know is that the movie let me go back I said that's the way the cookie crumbles uh and Don is saying Bruce Almighty before I get further I want to just comment is that is that the movie I don't know it might be uh and Don's saying yes I looked it up so uh, Don, the Google Meister here, uh, Googling and finding the, the information. It's, it's funny because I think I only watched that movie one time, uh, but maybe I have seen that line, uh, that little clip used other places. Anyway, let's get into the text. It says, now about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to be known, but the man who loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, and, and he puts these things, we read them in the text in, with small g and small l, and in uh, parenthesis as well, uh, says, uh, Yet uh, for us there is but one God, I, sh- I shouldn't say parenthesis, in quotation marks, uh, Yet there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, Through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everybody knows this. Some people uh, are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat such food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to an idol. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God, for we are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. But be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. I will. I will not go any further than that at this point. Uh, food sacrifice idols. I mean, the first thing I, I want to just talk about is that we don't have idols in our day in our land uh, as they had in their land where, where Corinth was in Macedonia. Uh, now, Greece, uh, they, they just didn't have idols like what we have. <clears throat> I mean, they have idols. We don't have idols like they had in their day. I mean, literally, little gods, little uh, statutes, little uh, minuets that they were looking at and saying, this is a god, and that represents this god, and this god of the sun, and the god of sex, and the god of food, and the god of gods of all kinds of things, and they had myriads of gods. Now, we live in kind of an anti-God day, uh, and that is little g, Where at least where we live in America, we don't think of all these different little gods. We're not thinking about, we're, in fact, too frequently, and even as Christians, we're not thinking about big G God as we need to think about. <clears throat> we live in an anti-spiritual or at least a post-spiritual, if not anti-spiritual. Now, some people would say, well, I'll be spiritual, but this Christian stuff, uh, I don't want to hear anything about that. I think largely we're more secular, secular as being devoid of God, than we are spiritual. I, I, I think that most people in American culture, and I'm speaking here in America now, uh, are not thinking about various gods. Now, if you were to go to some places in Africa or some places in in Asia, they may have, or, or some tribal peoples, maybe even South America, they have various gods that they may look to, small g gods. Uh, and so food sacrifice to idols then becomes a big deal for them. We don't see this in America, food sacrifice to idols, uh, as as what there would have been in that day. But curiously, then he goes on to, we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And by the time we get down into verse 9, we connect verse 1 with verse 9. Verse 9 says, be careful that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Um, The knowledge and that's where he's going. Uh knowledge puffs up but love builds up. One that has the knowledge that there aren't any gods but one god, the true living god, Jehovah God, Yahweh, uh that he is the only god. And so all of you people that are wrapped up in this idol worship, you guys are just silly ninnies, and uh you don't know anything and And this is where he now gets into uh, knowledge puffs up. Sometimes we can have spiritual knowledge, we can have spiritual liberty, but what should trump our knowledge and what should trump our liberty should be love. We should have love for brothers and sisters who may not uh, may not see things the same way or may not have come to this place of knowledge and. And, and and we do. Oftentimes as Christians, we're, we're so puffed up in our knowledge, but yet are we loving towards those around us? Jesus didn't say, by this will all men know that you're my disciples by how much knowledge you have. He said, by this will all men know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. In verse 2, he says, so the man who thinks... He knows something, does not yet know as he ought to know. I mean, we think we know things. Humility needs to come into play. The love for others needs to come into play. Uh, and we need to be careful that all the knowledge that we have, and have you ever been around a Christian that that is prideful in their knowledge? Uh, hopefully I, I don't come across as prideful in, in knowledge uh, and the knowledge that puffs up is the knowledge that will lead us to not have concern for other people, for their well-being, for their development, for their for their aid, for their help. So the man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. Uh, but the man who loves God is known by God, and, and God knows who loves him. Uh, that that's in verse three. You can read it right there. The man who loves God is known by God. God knows those who love Him. And I was thinking about that this morning in in my devotional time earlier, thinking about you know I'm going through this motion, but is my heart here? Am I loving God? I'm I'm in the Psalms. I'm I'm notating all that the Psalms say about God specifically. And there there are some chapters that sometimes it's a little bit of a stretch. To say, hmm, is this, what's this really teaching me about God as David is lamenting his circumstances in, in like Psalms 55 through 62, uh, or Psalm 52 through 61 in, in that range, much lamented in those Psalms. And yet, even in those Psalms, I, I believe that David would bring out the fact that God knows who loves him. Uh, and we have to make sure that we're not people just going through the motions and, and that today my heart would be challenged today that your heart would be challenged to really love God, to not just go through the spirit, not just go through the motions of, of having you know, spiritual discipline, but that we would actually apply our hearts as well. God knows who loves him. Uh, and today, my prayer for myself and my prayer for you. Uh, is that uh, that we would love God, and that we would love others as we ought to love, uh, and that we wouldn't be puffed up in our knowledge or how long we've been a part of a church or those types of things, always staying humble needing Jesus every day. Verse 4 goes on. He says, so then, about eating food, sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world. There is no God but one. We'd be in agreement about that fact. Yet, if you were in a uh, an African tribal place or uh, some tribal group in South America or uh, some people in, in Asia who worship multiple gods, uh, we might have to think about what we're doing a whole lot more. Verse 5, he says, for even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, uh, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came and for whom we live. There is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. Now he repeats himself in that verse. he underscores often the 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 repetition is an underscore. there is one God, the Father from whom all things came uh, and for whom we live, there is but one Lord, so he talks about God, the Father, one Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things came uh and through whom we live now this this gets into some Trinitarian thought. Underscoring for those that would say, well, I, I don't know that I, you know, the, the word Trinity isn't in the Bible. And I've heard people say that. No, but certainly the concept of the Trinity is in the Bible. And, and we can read at least two of the Godhead here in verse 6 when it says there is but one God, the Father through from whom all things came and for whom we live. There's but one Lord Jesus Christ through through whom all things came and through whom we live. We can't live for, for two people. We're living for one God, God, the father, uh, God, the son, uh, and all things came from and through them. They were the ones that, that created all things in our world. And, uh, they are the ones through whom we live. Our our breath, our uh, our sustenance, uh, our, our daily being is through God. We live for Him. We live through Him. And so, the question that we would ask is simply looking at this verse: Is are we living? Are we aware of the fact that we're living through God? Uh, Are we aware of the fact that we're living for God? Are we making the conscientious, concerted effort today to say, I will live for God? Now, what impact does it have for us to live for God? Well, I I think the impact it has for us to live for God uh, is is the impact of um, choice. I think it's the impact of how we think. I think it's the impact of how we go about our work. I think it's the impact of, um, uh, many different things and to be conscientious. I think it it is being conscientious in our spending. I think it's being conscientious, uh, in our entertaining. I think it's being conscientious in all these things and, and through him, uh, through whom came all things, through whom we live, but it's a, a for, uh, through whom and for whom we're thinking about God. The fact that you were able to sit up this morning and out of your bed is a work of God. The fact that you're able to walk across your house, if you have to walk across your house to your uh, kitchen to grab a cup of coffee, uh, that's a, that's a work of God. God enabled that. The fact that you you will work today, some of you, many of you will work today and that is a, a work of God. I was <laughs> I was troubled during the night. Uh, this is kind of a little bit off script, thinking of the age that that I'm getting to and, and thinking uh, something I'd read about people in their retirement and uh, thinking there, there is no there will be no such thing. Uh, for me, and, and it was a type of thing of uh, uh, honestly it, it wrestling with my flesh, thinking, you know what, I, I should have done something else with my life because, you know, it doesn't provide for retirement. But yet, that is uh, in uh, that is futile thinking. Um, our hope, our trust is in the Lord. How many people have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in stock markets and things like that along the way, and. And all of their retirement, or a lion's share of it, has just been evaporated like that. I mean it. It does happen, and uh, it it can be a very challenging, very difficult thing uh, when we put our hope in those things. Our hope is in the Lord, and our service is to the Lord. Friends, I'm probably talking to my own soul today more than more than any of you, but just to be reminded. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot that comes through uh, some of my different feeds about money and earning and, and, and you know, uh, side hustles that become more lucrative than the main hustle. And uh, to be reminded of, of that to which God has called me uh, and that to which God has called you. And yet there's the challenge that comes uh and the reminder that comes that we live through him and we live for him. And, and whatever we do, however we live, we're living for the Lord. And I know that we have people in our listening audience that are in their 80s and still working. And perhaps out of necessity. And uh, uh, there are many people in other places around the world who will work their whole life because uh, retirement is is not something that that uh, that they ever had an opportunity for. Um, we live for God. Let, let me put this verse back up. Verse, verse six is, yet there is but one God, the Father from from whom all things came and for whom we live. There is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. And he says in verse seven, but not everyone knows this. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat such food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to an idol. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. Uh, But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Now, I think in our day, one of the things, especially in American culture, may not be food, may not be idols. It's probably alcohol would probably be one of the things that would be most uh, uh, associated here with with a section of Scripture such as this. Uh, Some people are so uh, accustomed uh, to the thought of alcohol as being sinful and wicked and evil, uh, that, that if it were to touch their lips or if they were to see it touch someone else's lips, uh, they would think of it as evil. And it says, since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. Now, there are many things, uh, and, and alcohol is one of them. Uh, cigars, pipes, that might be other Things that you could look at, some Christians would point and go, uh, you know, drinking alcohol is just evil; it's wrong. You should never do it, uh, or smoking a pipe or a cigar uh, is just evil. It's not something you should do. Now, I, I will tell you honestly, uh, from from my study of Scripture, um, and, and from where I where I started in my Christian experience, uh, I, I I always perceived. Things like smoking is being wrong. It's not good for the body. And you could make an argument there that because it's not good for the body, it's something that you shouldn't do. However, we don't see any prohibition directly against smoking uh, in in the scriptures. Uh, And so I know uh, people who are very confident in their faith, very confident in their understanding of scripture, who who enjoy cigars. Uh, and I had to grow to a point that I'd say, I don't know, tw- I've been here 14 years, uh, maybe 20, 22, 23 years ago, uh, coming across some Christians from the South, and they smoked cigarettes. And I'm like, wait, don't you guys know? I mean, this, I didn't say this publicly, but I thought it in my head, don't you guys know that how th- th- that's sinful? It's not good for the body, and and yet... To realize in the South, tobacco is a major industry and to realize, you know, how many churches were built as, as a result of the sale of tobacco. And uh, and in the South, they did not share the view that maybe I would have up here in the North. And I had to process through my understanding of of tobacco and tobacco use. Now, I still have never smoked any tobacco. I, I chewed tobacco Till I swallowed a little bit one time and uh, heaved my guts out, and that was the end of that. that sorry to be so graphic, but you know, it, it wasn't a case of well, I, I had a moral uh, consternation over the issue, my stomach and my tongue, and it just was like, "Nope, you ain't having none of that. Um, so there, there would be uh, an example. Uh, alcohol is another example, and some Christians just think alcohol is sinful. I I do not hold that view. I do not script. I do not think Scripture holds the view that alcohol in itself is wrong. In fact, there is much in Jewish tradition, much in Jewish custom that inv- involves drinking of alcohol, uh, especially at Passover time or various of the feast and uh, the four cups of wine. That they would have, and, and it wasn't grape juice. Friends, people who want to say, oh, "Well, it's just grape juice." Well, okay, it might not have the alcohol content that some of our alcohols have today. I, I will, I, I will concede that much. But it was nonetheless fermented drink. It was nonetheless alcohol uh, and, and part of Jewish custom. In fact, I believe in John chapter two that Jesus turned the water into alcoholic wine. Um, I don't think it was the, the the better grape juice you know and you could say well yeah but Jesus made the wine but he made sure there was no alcohol content in it i i, I don't think so i mean that's just really reading a lot into scripture um and there's a room in Romans chapter uh chapter 14 that deals with the issue of of our liberties in Jesus and and the drinking of alcohol is one of the things that makes the list. Food offered to idols, uh, drinking alcohol. I mean, those are a couple things. And how we use days. Some people would say we should use, you know, uh, Sunday needs to be a, a special day and we shouldn't do anything else with Sunday except worship the Lord and you know, I would say that we put more time into watching a football game on Sunday afternoons than we do into worshiping the Lord. So those that say, oh, I'm setting aside the day for the Lord. Um, okay, really? Uh, now, friends, I, I like football. I'm just saying. But those who say, but we shouldn't go shopping, but yet we'll spend a lion's share of their afternoon from 1 o'clock till evening Watching football all day, that isn't about the Lord either. I I could push back on that notion that some people would have um, about how we use our days. But alcohol, I think, is one of those areas. And and, and what we need to land on here is verse 9 down at the bottom. In fact, let me just adjust it up. It's up at the top of the page. Be careful that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. So I, you know, I, I I would have the practice myself of thinking about uh, imbibing and not imbibing uh, in front of certain people. Uh, do I drink alcohol? Yes, I do. Uh, th- that's the answer to the question. And uh, I, I not frequently. In fact, uh, when. When asked on doctor's appointments, you know, do you drink alcohol? And they say, how much? And they they the, the answer they always come back with is, then you really don't drink alcohol. You know, every couple months, maybe have a beer, maybe. I don't drink any hard stuff uh, any longer. I don't really like wine. Uh, but even then, to be mindful, there are people. There are people uh, w- within the body of Christ that they really struggle with with alcohol, now I remember one man that had a problem with alcohol, and yet, as I observed him, he had an addictive personality. So he went from being addicted to uh, alcohol to being addicted to work, and and that was problematic for him, and and both were destroying his family. The alcohol was destroying his family, and he went from alcohol and it got dried out and uh, AA and all those things, but then he was so addicted to his work that that was destroying his family as well. Uh and even there, a model of of overwork and and how that can uh in fact I, I read about that in my devotional time this morning about how work gets in the way of God sometimes. Uh and the way we work can become a stumbling block to other people as well. Either we don't work enough or we work too much or we're workaholics or those types of things. Verse nine simply says, Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak." Uh if I'm around an alcoholic person and I, I I joke about alcohol, that can cause them to stumble. If I'm around an alcoholic person and I, I order a, a drink or out to a meal, that can cause them to stumble. We need to be conscientious of others around us and how what the impact of, of our actions can be. The language could be another area. There could be a number of areas where, where you might have freedom in Christ to do certain things, and yet it could cause someone else to stumble. Let me finish out this chapter. It says, For for if anyone with a weak conscience sees you who have this knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't he be emboldened to eat what's been sacrificed to idols? Then he might even think, it's hey, this is to an idol. So this weak brother for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. And this is where he says earlier that uh, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up says, when you sin against your brothers, and now Paul calls it a sin to not think about the, the, the weak consciences of our brothers in Christ. Paul actually says it's a sin. So when you sin against your brothers in this way and wound their conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause him to fall. This is a rather uh, extraordinary statement that Paul makes here. That if what I eat causes my brother to sin, I will never eat meat again, so I will not cause him to fall. Now, uh, that is Paul's personal conviction. I don't know that I would go as far as Paul has gone here. Uh, therefore, if, if me drinking a Guinness Stout causes my brother to fall into sin, I'll never drink a Guinness Stout again. Now, I'm telling you the type of beer that I might like. necessarily not cause him to fall. Uh, Paul makes the statement, uh, I won't do that. Now, maybe me putting this publicly, but I, I, I want to be transparent. I want to be real. Uh, I want you to know that, that there's a tension in this, in our Christian liberties, that we need to be aware of how our liberties can impact other people and choose to limit our, limit, uh, limit our liberties for the sake of a brother or sister in Christ. Well, Friends, it's been a half hour. We've made it our way through this entire short 13-verse chapter this morning. Uh, we would give thought to our worship of God. We'd give thought to how uh, the impact of how we live our lives impacts not only non-Christians, but also Christians around us, that we would fortify and strengthen the, uh, the brethren and, and not cause them to stumble uh, or to fall, uh, and that we'd be mindful in that way. Lord, help us today to live for you in such a way that brings you honor, that brings you glory, that brings you pleasure. Uh, Help us to live in such a way, Lord, that uh, uh, is good for our brothers and sisters in Christ, that they too would be strengthened to live for Christ, that they too would be strengthened at times to perhaps limit, limit their liberties for the sake of a brother. Lord, help us to glorify you today in our words Help us to glorify you today in our thoughts. Help us to glorify you today in our actions. Hear our prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, friends. I'll see you tomorrow.